Hello, hello, hello. That was a crazy song uh, that was just playing. Um, my name is Nicholas Glor, by the way. This is WKCO 91.9, broadcasting live from Gambier, Ohio. This is Radio Free Kenyan. Um, and it's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, which means it's time for uh, Jazz of the World. And today is going to be a really, really great show. Because um, I was thinking, you know, Thanksgiving, what does Thanksgiving remind me of? Turkey, pilgrims, Native Americans. Hmm. Maybe I don't have to go outside of all the American world. Um, and so I spent this week looking into um, Native American jazzers. And what I found really, really fascinated me. Um, there's a lot of great stuff. And so for, for this week's show, I wanted to take the time to really dig in um, on a couple of these, you know, significant Native American performers. And so we're going to explore some of the other tracks, obviously, um, to try and get a sense of what Native American music is and, and how it's developed. Um, but we're going to look into three main Native American jazz players. And so the first one I'm looking into uh, is Mildred Bailey. Um, she is a singer. Um, and I'm going to talk about each of each of these players in more detail as the show goes on. Uh, and so after we talk and look at Mildred Bailey, um, who's a vocalist, um, we are going to uh, look into um, Big Chief Russell Moore, who is a trombone player. And he's kind of, he's one of these figures that I know I've heard play before because he's kind of everywhere, but I've never talked about him, learned about him, and I've never really thought about him. Um, but he's this really significant sideman um, for a lot of, the, for a lot of um, you know, jazz history. I mean, he's playing, you know, from the 30s up until his death. Um, and a lot of that time is spent with really, really famous cats like Louis Armstrong. He plays a lot, a lot with Louis Armstrong. Um, and then after we talk about Big Chief Russell Moore, um, we are we're going to talk about Jim Pepper, um, who is really a pioneer in jazz um, in so many ways. Um, he helped create one of the first jazz fusion bands, um, and then he also, you know, basically was one of the first people to um, bring Native American musical ideas into jazz as you know, a Native American person. There were a lot of attempts by white musicians, actually, um, all throughout the swing era from the 30s into the 40s, um, trying to replicate this, you know, Native American, quote unquote, red sound, pretty horrible term, um, but that's what they called it. And, um, sorry, I was just making sure that the recording is working. Um, and so, um, he was one of the first, like, really Native Americans to do it, and he did it in a really crazy way. Um, so I'm going to start the show off with um, one of his tunes um, from his 1971 album, Pepper's Pow Wow. Um, so this is after he started Jazz Fusion, um, and, you know, he's been working through these musical ideas for a long time. He's, he's a saxophonist, um, and he's, so, yeah, um... Sorry, I just got really hot in the studio. I'm taking my sweatshirt off. Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about that. Um, and thank you all for listening again, by the way. Um, I want to 
take one second to uh, just say one massive, massive, massive thank you to Professor Alex Murphy uh, from the Japanese department uh, for coming on the show last week. Uh, it was truly a pleasure, and that was the first show I ever recorded. Um, so if you're interested in listening to it, if you haven't caught it yet, uh, I really do implore you to listen. Um, Professor Murphy is really, really wonderful, super knowledgeable about the topic, and um, yeah, it would be a shame if you weren't able to go listening to it. Um, so if you look up Jazz of the World, you probably have to put my name in for a keyword that is Nicholas Clore um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think really those are the only two I put it on. If, you, if it's another place I should put it on, let me know. Um, but yeah, it's, all, it's up there. Um, so give a listen to it if you really want. And yeah, enjoy the show. So this first track is called... Uh, Squaw song uh, and it is from Jim Pepper's 1971 uh, album Pepper's Pow Wow. I hope you enjoy.
So um, there it is. That's that's gonna be the first track. Um, and so that that song, Jim Pepper's playing the uh, it is the tenor saxophone. Um, he plays the, the tenor and the saxophone. Um, sac- the tenor and the soprano saxophone on this album. Um, and it's but he's also doing a lot of percussion. So he plays a lot of the percussion um, throughout this album. And this album, you know, I was reading some of the critical reviews and there was a lot of, um, there was a little bit of a divide at the time when this came out to, on what to call it. Um, some people said it would be folk music. Some people would say it was, you know, jazz rock, jazz fusion. Other people would say it was Native American music. And, and it's really all of it. It's really all of those things combined. And, and so um, I really like this whole album. And I'm going to play a bunch of songs um, from the track. Witchy Toe uh, is probably the most favorite, uh, most famous track from the uh, entire album. Um, and... In that song, you hear a lot of the the Native American percussion. Um, you also hear um, some of the wind instruments, um, and it, you know, but you also hear the um, kind of vocal nature of it. And and so, like Native American music is really primarily you know a vocal vocal art form, uh, and it's usually choral. Usually, it's um, you know a group of people singing, um, but again as as there are so many different um native peoples uh and different tribes um and some of these different nations they they really have can really have a, a many differences in between um and so a lot of the music is pretty much entirely melodic which means that it's not really based on um you know harmony and and although there's a lot of this call and response all throughout all of these pieces um and the call and response is usually between a soloist and you know, a, a chorus, um, like a group of people singing, um, and but there's no real like harmony. So you know, it's not like people are going going to you know playing. Oh, I'm gonna play a, a minor third. I'm gonna sing a minor third below below you. Make a really nice harmony or whatever it is. Like that's that's not the point. Um, and a lot of the melodies are dis- are descending. Um, which is really, really interesting, and, and I'm going to play some of these some some traditional music from the um, Library of Congress's um, specific recordings. They they put out a compilation in the 1950s with a bunch of recordings from late 1890s to early 1900s of, of Native American music, um, and so uh, we're going to listen to some of that. Um, but yeah, so basically. It's melodic. There's not a lot of harmony. Um, usually it's part of a dis- descending melodic figure. Um, and a lot of the rhythms in the singing can be irregular, but time is usually kept by um, a percussionist, drummers, um, whatever it is. It really depends on the tribe uh, and the nation. And and most of the time, singing is usually accompanied by drums. Um, there's also a bunch of, you know, Flutes, whistles, rattle, like rattle, percussion rattles. Um, those are the really the main percussion instruments. Um, and melodies are usually consisted of less than um, our eight pitch, uh, you know, scale of basically a lot of the, the native music native american music is really categorized um is not in the 
larger like scales, but in these smaller scales. Um, so it's you know whether they're pentatonic or tritonic scales, um, they're much you know smaller scale, um, and a lot of the tunes are can really be um, broken down into like three types of songs. Um, so there are traditional Native American songs. Um, which are basically, you know, songs that are handed down generation by generation. Um, these can really be of about a lot of things, you know, success in battle, um, the bringing of a rain, successfulness of crops, curing sick, whatever it may be. Um, there's also medicine songs, um, which are like ceremonial and medicine songs, um, which, you know, are songs to made for specifically the healing purposes or to like mark a specific ceremony. Um, and then there are, are these new types of songs that are um, influenced by, you know, Western European music. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to play a bit of, um, this is the library of Congress's compilation. Um, and it's a triple album. It's like an hour, hour and a half. And there's really so much. So I'm going to skip around to some of the different sections. So the first part that we're going to hear um, is some of these, you know, um, traditional songs. And more specifically, these are like honor songs or war dances. Um, I'm just going to play a little bit of that. Um, and then I'll skip ahead to um, some of the ceremonial songs. And yeah, here it is. Yeah. 
So there you go. I think I'll um, call it there. Um, this is um, basically here. You you heard a lot of the drumming, um, but really it was the the vocal um, kind of melodic figures that I really wanted people to be, be listening to, which is that, um, again, very call and response, um, very percussion-based, um, lots of drumming, and, you know, that also sounds, uh, it doesn't sound exactly identical, um, but there are a lot of common elements between uh, traditional Native American music and um, traditional African music. And so how does this connect with jazz? And, and so there's now a little bit of um, a discussion on, on how much Native American music, uh, and there were a lot, of, there was a, a, a sizable Native American population um, in New Orleans, um, how much Native American in, uh, music also helped influence the creation of jazz. And so, you know, there's a lot of these like common motifs between African and Native American music, uh, you know, repetition, um, call and response, um, you know, the percussion, the percussive element of it, um, the, the, the crucial, like the, the nature of the rhythm, um, and, and also, you know, some of these like, you know, blue, blue notes. Um, and so a lot of people talk about, you know, jazz is the blue note and, and the blues and, and, how the blues was really, you know, created as kind of um, a kind stemmed from a lot of the um, treatment of the um, African slaves, um, and so um, there's definitely not as much commonality, but um, there's definitely some overlap in in the rhythm, um, and and there can can be an argument made that uh, some Native American music has influenced um, jazz and the creation of it. Um, so there we go. That's Native American music. Uh, and so now we're going to get into the jazzers. Uh, and so the first one that I really want to highlight uh, is Mildred uh, Billy. And so um, Billy was, was born in um, rural uh, Washington, um, and her mother was a, a member of the Cordeline people, um, and also a very devout Roman Catholic. Um, and so the Cordeline people, uh, traditionally, you know, pre-colonialism, um, had really a territory of about three and a half million acres, uh, present all throughout, you know, northern Idaho, uh, eastern Washington, western Montana, uh, and they lived along, you know, the St. Joe, the Clark Fork, and the Spokane rivers, uh, as well as on the, you know, lake that they're tribe is named after Cordeline, um, and Cordeline uh, is a French name. It's not actually, you know, from their, their language. Um, and it's French for heart of the owl. Um, and it was given, given to them by a French trapper who um, was one of the first, you know, people to, to communicate with them um, in the late 18th or 19th century. Um, and this name was given after the, the uh, skill in trapping that um, was recognized. And so now, um, like many other uh, Native American nations, um, they've pretty pretty much been screwed over by the American government. Uh, now they, the uh, Cordeline um, people have only about um, 520 square miles. Um, 
the reserve is is in northeast Ohio, uh, Idaho, not Ohio, um, and and they're actually dealing with one of the most polluted areas in in North America due to uh, mining. So it's the second largest Superfund cleanup site right next door. Um, so it's the people. Uh, and so back to Mildred Bailey. Her great-grandfather um, was actually the head speaker and one of the song leaders of the Cordelin people at the, the start of the turn of the 20th century. Um, and he did something really interesting in um, like integrating Catholic hymns with you know Native uh, American music to kind of aid the you know like religious colonization by Jesuit missionaries happening at the time and to like ease the transition. So I, I there's no recordings of it, um, but. I thought that was super interesting. Um, uh, there's that kind of already history in the family of combining, um, you know, Native American music with Western music. Um, so Bailey grew up um, on the reservation. Uh, her father, you know, played the fiddle and she was from a musical family, uh, did a lot of the square dances. Her mother taught piano um, to other children. Um, and her brothers, her younger brothers were actually also um, somewhat successful musicians. Um, and so one of her brothers actually worked pretty closely at one point with um, Bing Crosby in um, Spokane, Washington. And so um, one of her first gigs was there with Bing Crosby in Spokane, Washington when she was uh, just 17. And so she played with them for a bit. Um, and then this is where it gets really, her story gets super interesting. Um, Crosby introduces her to Paul Whiteman uh, in Los Angeles. And so, um, you know, hap not happening a lot of the time um, was crossing of the color barrier um, of, uh, you know, jazz musicians. And so Paul Whiteman was a white man and he ran a, a, an all-white orchestra. Um, and... You know, this is 1929, 1930. There's not a lot of, um, I mean, there really aren't any integrated um, jazz bands. Um, really, the, the first one um, that I can recall is uh, the guitarist Charlie Christian with um, the Benny Goodman Orchestra. Uh, and so Benny Goodman was uh, someone who really just cared about the be the best jazz musicians and so he whoever was the best would play with Benny Goodman and so um somewhat of a big deal um I know it's you know a little bit crossing of the the color barrier which is pretty significant and so um 1931 is um Billy's first recording with Paul Whiteman's orchestra uh so we're going to take a listen to it um so she's singing the song My Goodbye to You and it was a really, really big hit. Um, it was broadcast on the radio, which was a big deal for jazz. Um, that's a lot of people got their national exposure. Um, and this pretty, pretty much gave her like a really solid foundational reputation of being a very successful um, singer. And she goes on to do um, really, really, you know, interesting stuff after. But first, I want to take a take a listen. So this is Paul Wyman and his orchestra featuring Mildred Bailey. Um, my goodbye to you. This was recorded in 1931. So please excuse the audio quality. Thank you. 
singer um and i before we really get into talking about her voice i want to highlight one more piece that she did with um frank trumbauer or frankie trumbauer um frankie trumbauer is also a very very successful um jazz musician um so he was a jazz saxophonist um who's really popular throughout the 1920s and the 1930s um i mean so we talked about him in our history of jazz class uh you know, and a lot of a lot of his stuff um, was really through um, Bix um, Biederbeck, and um, but he was also a really talented composer and, and sax player on his own, uh, and he had some super super famous um, recordings and compositions um, on his own. So you know, singing the blues, um, Crazy Cat, Red Hot. Um, Trombology. I mean, so there are a lot of tunes that he did, and he was also um, from um, part uh, Cherokee ancestry, um, from a reservation in Illinois. And uh, although he didn't grow up on the reservation, um, he did have that, you know, um, cultural background. And so um, Mildred Bailey and Frankie Trumpauer actually recorded a song together. Um, I like to do things for you in 1930 and it's a really really good piece and and there's still not really this like native american influence um but sort of you can sort of hear it in her her intonations but it's also it's been very westernized and that was done very purposefully to you know make make money make a living um but yeah so this is mildred bailey and frankie trumbauer's uh, I like to do things for you, which was released in 1930. <laughs> 
So, I mean, it, it is a pretty standard piece at the time. This is 1930. Um, so jazz is the popular music, you know, a lot of dancing, a lot of swing dancing. Um, but I like what stands out to me about her singing um, is that, I mean, one, it's very, you know, very capturing. She's a, a, a beautiful voice and it's really like it kind of does sort of like cut above the rest of the band. Um, but what I see in the, you know, Native American influence is the rhythm um, and how almost like, you know, um, later singers, um, you know, Billie Holiday, where it's like going in and out of the beat. Because um, it's not always like, it almost feels like it could be like a little before or a little after. Um, and that kind of reminded me of like some of the, the Native American singing um, with the percussion. Um, and so basically, um, Bailey is Paul Whiteman's female vocalist through 1932, through 1932. Um, and then they split after salary disagreements. Um, she records a bit with Benny Goodman and Coleman Hawkins and Jean Krupa. Um, and then 1933, she marries, um, Red Norvo, who is not, uh, a, um, not Native American. He's a white man from, you know, Illinois. Uh, but after they get married, he changes his first name to uh, Red. So take that as you will. Uh, and they become Mr. and Mrs. Swing. And um, Red Norvo is actually, he he is a really, um, also another super influential um, jazzer. He's pretty much one of the first big xylophonist improvisers in jazz. Uh, so he's also a band leader, but he's really, you know, one of the early jazz vibraphonists, uh, xylophonist, um, and he has a couple really, you know, a couple bigger compositions, um, you know, Dance of the Octopus, uh, Congo Blues, um, and I wanted to share with you guys one last song of Mildred Billy um, singing, and they work together a lot, um, throughout pretty much the rest of their lives um, until Mildred Bailey died. Um, and she died pretty pretty young, I believe. Uh, I think it was 35. Let me double check that real quick. She died 1951, 44. So still pretty young. Um, and so they worked together for a while. Um, and... It's it's really I mean for me at least like when I'm listening to old older jazz recordings I don't expect to hear uh, a vibraphone it it does really feel um out of place in this song um but it works like it's just for me it's hard to kind of wrap my head around that we're doing doing it back then doing um you know crazy vibraphone solos um and Red Norvo um was really I mean he was in um, he was in a movie with Frank Sinatra. He recorded with Frank, Frank Sinatra. He was like not a part of the Rat Pack, clearly, but he was kind of Rat Pack adjacent. Um, and he was kind of involved in that world. And so, um, Mildred Bailey also, you know, was able to perform in Vegas uh, a bit. Um, and so here's their tune, Smoke Dreams. Um, 
This is um, recorded in the late 1930s, but um, this version is a, a remastered version from the 2003 um, re-release, the incomparable Mildred Bailey. So here's the last Mildred Bailey tune. There it is. Um, yeah, that was a, a brief trumpet solo by Irving Randolph. But, um, I mean, Red Norvo's really going crazy, <laughs> kind of on those on the xylophone back there um, throughout the entire piece. Um, and it's 
I I just I really I really like her singing throughout this one. Um, it's just I don't know. It's it's really it's just a captivating voice. That's kind of the best way that I I can describe it. Um, and so yeah, that's that's Mildred Bailey, very very successful, um, you know, Native American jazz singer, um, and definitely could do a whole show about her but i wanted to you know spread the time um among a couple of native american jazz musicians and so the next one uh well before we get into the next one i did want to take a, a second to acknowledge that there's also happening around this time a lot of white jazz musicians trying to um mimic uh almost mimic and in have an influence of native american you know, music in their jazz playing without actually um, having any Native American musicians. Um, so I, I, wanna, I wanted to play this recording because it's really, I mean, it, it's it's from this movie, Las Vegas Nights, which was released in 1941. And so this is a, a tune by Tommy Dorsey uh, on the piece called Song of India. And um, you have Tommy Dorsey playing this really weird sounding trombone mute um so it's it's calm it's called the uh clear tone it's well it was called the solo tone now you can buy it as a clear tone mute um it's not really often used and it gives it a really weird quality and and there's dorsey on the the muted trombone and he's also doing a really kind of technically advanced thing called uh, circular breathing and he is um, basically it's where he can kind of you you breathe in and you store the, the air in your cheeks and you can use that air to breathe out as you're breathing in through your nose. So it's kind of like you can infinitely like you can't actually do it for infinite time, but you can really keep playing without having to like breathe out. Um, and this also has uh, Buddy Rich playing drums on it, which is I thought was really cool. And so um, I'm playing the the MP3 version. But if you just go to YouTube and look up, you know, Tommy Dorsey songs of India from Las Vegas Nights, it's it it does it does it's a looks like a fun movie. It's also Frank Sinatra's film debut. Um, and so uh, they're trying to replicate this, you know, Native American music sound through this muted trombone. Um, and I mean, kind there. It's it's basically just like kind of saying like, oh, you know, Native American music is much like lighter and so like like breathier, and so this mute will make it sound like that. I'm not sure if it. I don't. I wouldn't say it really worked, um, but it was successful. And so we're gonna listen to this song and then one more song by another white composer at the time called Cherokee, which has become a really popular um, jazz standard by a. Uh, Ray Noble. Um, and so, yeah, here it is. This is a Song of India by Tommy Dorsey.
So there you go. That is, um, or that was, um, Tommy Dorsey on trombone, um, Bunny Berrigan on trumpet, and Buddy Rich on drums. And then um, that was really the main people that I, I remember seeing. But it's it's really just Tommy Dorsey's orchestra. Um, and funnily enough, the melody of that song is also used for. The 1918 song Beautiful Ohio. So, again, we are broadcasting live from Gambier, Ohio, and uh, <laughs> it's now the, the official song of the uh, U.S. state of Ohio. Um, so, if you don't believe me, look into it yourself. Uh, listen to Beautiful Ohio and then Song of India by Tommy Dorsey. I have le- legitimately no idea how that could have happened, um, but <laughs> it's it's how it's how it is now um and then we're gonna listen to one more song um this is cherokee uh we're gonna listen to a version played by um charlie barnett um but uh cherokee was actually written by uh ray noble um as the the first of five movements of this like indian sweet style jazz swing um in the late 30s um so you know basically there was a he wrote, you know, a five-movement jazz swing based off of, um, you know, Native American music. So the first song was Cherokee, and then you had um, the second movement, Comanche War Dance, the Iroquois, the Seminole, and the Suex Sioux. Um, and Billy May had a, a um, arranged his own version of Cherokee for Charlie Barnett's band, and this is when it really took off. And now it's, I mean, it it is one of the jazz standards for um you know um soloing and and it it really became known as one of these um kind of like you know rapid improvisational solos and and cherokee became uh, was renamed later uh in charlie barnett's band uh, the red skin roomba uh and became his theme song so yeah not not a great look for him uh, whatsoever. Um, but again, this is what white musicians at the time are doing to try and, and replicate Native American music and jazz. Um, so this is Cherokee by Charlie Barnett. Uh, and this is from one of the first recordings of this song uh, in 1939 on the, the B-side of a 38. Um, so here it is. Thank you. 
so just in the matter of time, I'm, I'm going to cut that off. Um, but basically, there's kind of the recurring motif of, um, you know, muted instruments, um, clarinets, wind instruments, um, giving like a this like airiness. Uh, and, you know, off, obviously there's like these like, you know, the the repetition um so like in in cherokee like the wah 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 like um that kind of repetition you know i'll play it just so you could hear it for a sec um is very reminiscent of of native american music so here i'll So there it is. That's like the wow of through these like plunder mutes, um, and it's really. I mean, I think it's pretty not cool of these musicians. It's really simplifying uh, Native American music down, and like I don't, I don't approve of it. Um, but it is kind of important towards the the development of like the representation of Native Americans in in jazz. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna transition now, and I, I'm realizing that I'm I'm coming to the end of the hour, but I'm gonna be real with you guys. I have so much more stuff to play. So um, if you are willing to stick around with me for a little bit extra, I didn't even get to perhaps the most famous one yet. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna try and move through um, Big Chief Russell Moore quickly. So Big Chief Russell Moore was a very prolific jazz side. And I said at the, the start of the show, he he was a really big trombonist. Like he played with a lot of cats. He played a lot with Louis Armstrong. Um, he um, was also a full blood uh, member of the Pima tribe, which is uh, a Native American nation um, inside of Arizona. Um, both of his parents um, were, you know, um, well, music was very important to the community and also important to his family. Uh, family. And uh, after his father died, he was born in um, 19, 1912. Um, and so when he was 12, his father died in 1924. Uh, and him and his brother moved to um, Illinois and they lived with their uncle and their aunt. Um, and their uncle, uh, William Moore, was actually uh, a band leader, um, like a local band leader for uh, just a territory band at the time, you know, very local. Um, and he was also a teacher. And so he, he taught um, both um, him and his brother, um, his brother Everett, uh, Everett Moore, he taught them how to play trumpet, French horn, trombone, piano, bass, euphonium, and the drums. Um, so big musical foundation uh, there. And so um, after that, uh, he um, moved to um, the south side of Chicago in 1929. And this was where things started to, to escalate. He heard Louis Armstrong play um, as he, you know, stood actually not inside but outside of the uh, Savoy Ballroom on the south side of Chicago. Uh, and he was like, he heard this and he was like, I need to, I need to play jazz. You know, I need to do this. Um, and so he enrolled um, back in high school, finished, um, finished high school, played trombone in the school band, uh, and then. Um, you know, attended, um, you know, performed with these college, uh, not college, high school bands. Um, and in 1933, he, you know, he graduated uh, and is named one of the up, upcoming uh, jazz jazzers of the year. 
Uh, and so instead of moving back to Chicago, um, he moves to L.A., uh, which is kind of a really interesting, you know, trajectory. But he um, he's playing around, not really, you know, doing anything super big um, until 1935, where he joins Lionel Hampton's band. Um, and he's playing with Lionel Hampton for a bit. Um, and then... So Lionel Hampton is playing in, in L.A., but then in the late 30s, um, like 1939, he he moves his band back to New York City, and um, Russell Moore doesn't want to make that shift with him. So he sticks around to L.A., um, plays around in some territory bands. He moves down to Louis, Louisiana for a bit, um, and he ends up playing a gig with um, the singer Alberta Hunter um, and Noble Sissel, and... Um, this was when some members and some musicians of, of Louis Armstrong's orchestra saw him and they also saw him again in 1944 um, when he was playing with another orchestra uh, and uh, Louis Armstrong said come meet me in New York City we, you know, we need to talk um, and after that he was just a part of the band he was part of Louis, Louis Armstrong's uh, orchestra and he played lead trombone um, with Louis Armstrong's big band for the last three years um, that he that they were together. Um, and <clears throat> there's some really interesting recordings from that time, but they actually reconnect um, decades later in the 60s um, or late 1950s. And yeah, no, no, it's 60s. Yeah, it's 64 when, when they rejoin um, to, to create some really fun stuff. But, you know, in between the time in which he's playing with Armstrong in, in 19, um, 1940, 1947, he, you know, tours Europe. He's playing with Sidney Bechet's quartet, um, Frank Sinatra, uh, all of these other people, um, Pee Wee Russell. Um, and he joins in 1964, Louis Armstrong's All-Stars. Um, and he, you know, really was a big part of some of the most famous Armstrong recordings. And so the next song that I want to show you guys is is from um, the Hello Dolly album, um, and this is Someday. And he's playing with a plunger mute with like a hole in the center, um, while also like double tonguing, and he's like really pushing it like the the plunger up against the uh, up against the trombone, and so it, it gives a really interesting sound. Uh, almost giving it like almost a Harmon mute sound. Um, but I think my favorite part of this song, I'm going to skip ahead to like halfway through um, when <laughs> Louis Armstrong just starts like screaming after he's singing these like, play it, play it chief, play it big chief. And it's, it's, it's really fun. Um, so yeah, this is Someday from the uh, album Hello Doll. Hello Dolly. Man, the way you treated me was wrong Honey, I was the one who taught you all you know Your friend said you to make me sing another song Mama, good luck May be with you, Pembrodoses and Pembrodoses And may your future you won't fear Dear there won't be another to treat you like a brother. Broken record. Take it, chief. Take it, chief. Take it, chief. Take it, chief. Take it, big chief. 
So it's a short solo, but he really plays it, and it almost sounds like he's overblowing, um, but he's like kind of not, and it's such a, he has such a full kind of dynamic sound, um, and so I, I mix the tunes up, he's not playing with the, uh, the, the plunger mute on, on that one, um, so I apologize for that, but he's, he's still playing really, really well, um, and so he's obviously a really, um, really, you know, talented player, um, and, you know, he's playing, um, I'm going to play one more quick tune of some of his improvisation. Um, this is um, from a television performance that Louis Armstrong and his all-star orchestra performed um, in 1964. So um, pretty much the same year. Uh, this is the Basin Street Blues. And um, this features some collective improvisation um, as seen in, you know, some of the, you know, older New Orleans jazz Um because the collective improv is really, you know, a big part of New Orleans jazz. Uh, and so he's soloing with, uh, with Louis Armstrong and he's keeping up and it's really, really cool. So I'm going to skip ahead to that, uh, that part. Um, so, and I'll, I'm probably, I'll, I'll skip ahead to Louis Armstrong singing the chorus and then it goes into the uh, collective improv. So yes, this is Basin Street Blues. And, and it's he really does have a distinctive sound and so that one he's playing with the big plunger um and i mean this is really an all you know this is a really tight band you have louis armstrong on trumpet singing um you know russell big chief moore um playing the trombone joe darensburg on the clarinet um billy kyle on piano um arvel shaw on um, bass and uh, danny barcelona playing the drums uh, and they're really good, and, and uh, you know, you can say a lot about Louis, Louis Armstrong um, and how he 
incredible musician, but really didn't change a lot of what he was playing throughout the the decades. I mean, he was a pioneer, really pioneer in in jazz. Um, but after he pioneered, he didn't um, he didn't change a lot of what he was um, doing. But he was doing it really well, and and. The fact that you know um, Russell Moore, you know Big Chief Russell Moore, was able to keep up with is is really a testament to how skilled he was. And and so um, they were trading for a little bit. Um, they were playing simultaneously, and you know it just sounds really fun. It's it's really exciting. Um, and he released um, Russell Moore released two two albums under his own name. Um, you know in the nineteen seventies, um, I had a really hard time finding any recordings of, of these albums online. So I'm, I'm hoping um, for next week I can um, have some primary recordings, uh, order them ahead of time, um, and get them shipped here for the, the theme which I do after break because I'll have some time to, to really dig in. Because um, I, I was really disappointed. I, I wanted to find some of his solo recordings, um, and I really could only find um, one. And it's really good, but I, I would have loved to have heard more um, just in, in researching. Um, and so this is one of his solo solo works that he released in 1976. Um, and this is the, the Wab, Wabash Blues um, with uh, Russell Moore and Joe Lacari and the uh, galvanized big band. Um, and so this is going to be the last piece um, featuring Big Chief Russell Moore. Um, but he, I mean, here he's he's gone crazy. Like he's it's so so technologically crazy um, with the with the um, the plunger and he's really like again it sounds like he's overblowing um but he's he's really i mean he's just kind of like playing the way he's he plays um so it's i mean it's really cool to listen to and and he's obviously super talented um and for me this i was really really happy to discover him because i i've never heard of uh you know russell moore big chief russell moore before this i haven't heard of really any of these musicians um at all and so that 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 goes to show um why i love doing this show so much um because for me at least like i'm learning a lot about jazz and uh about the history of it and um about influences from around the world um and it, it really almost is supplemental you know research and and it I, I put in a lot of work trying to find like the real seminal recordings of the time and i i'm I, I hope to really hit at least a couple of them every every time. And so um, this is um, last piece by um, by Big Chief Russell Moore, and then we're going to get into Jim Pepper. I can't believe I took an hour and seven minutes to get into him, um, but here it is. Uh, and so this is also um, I'm legally obliged to say that this is still WKCO ninety one point nine. Current time is three oh seven. This is. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Gambier, Ohio. This is Radio Free Kenyan, um, and you are listening to Jazz of the World with Nicholas Clore. And here is the Wabash Blues. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that is really how 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 it ends. Um, I mean, it's really you know impressive. It's like three 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 and a half minutes of just like muted you know plunger work, um, double tonguing. It's super impressive um, technically, um, and yeah, I mean it's he is super super talented. And, and at the end there, I skipped ahead a little bit to to get to this part um, where he's playing outside of the rest of the. The rest of the group drops out, and he's just playing uh, just by himself, and there's not any like ongoing, you know, rhythm. Uh, and that kind of reminded me of of some of the traditional Native American music. Um, all right, <clears throat> we are now going to start getting into Jim Pepper, and I really should have started him earlier. I I always consistently uh, over 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 prepare. Uh, for this show, um, ended up going over time, which is good and good and a bad thing. Um, great for me, um, because I really like doing it, but it's also feel bad for all of you guys listening. But I guess you don't have to listen if you don't want to. Um, I'd also like to to take this second to to thank the people who I think have been listening. Um, if they texted me, um. Yeah, thank you, Aiden and Kendall, and also thank you, Nora, one more time for letting me use her her laptop. Uh, my mom and my dad um, for listening. Naya, uh, Julian, and of course um, Margot uh, listening in it uh, all the way from across 
people across the pond. Um, and if anyone else is listening, thank you. Um, I know, uh, I don't know anyone else who would be listening right now, but if you are, I really appreciate it. Um, makes doing this worthwhile. Um, and not, so I'm just doing it going off into the uh, unknown. Um, so shoot me a text if you still are. If not, no worries. All right, Jim Pepper. Arguably, and I would say probably the most significant Native American to ever work in jazz. I mean, he kind of started the fusion of Native American jazz, Native American music and jazz. Um, but he also, you know, his work, and he is Native American. Um, he is from uh, Kaw and Creek heritage. Um, and he... he um, played some really, really interesting stuff. And so um, he grew up listening to, you know, his father listening to like the Native American songs and traditional call melodies. Um, his mother was um, a Creek and his father was a call. So he was Native American to both sides, but from two different, um, two different um, nations, which is really, I think that is also super interesting because it's the fusion of those two nations music. Um, and these influences have really stayed with him. Um, so easily his most well-known song is Witchy Tie Toe, um, built around, you know, one of these songs that he learned from his, his grandfather. Um, and one of these songs, um, this song was first released in 1969 with his jazz rock fusion ensemble, Everything is Everything. Um, but the version that we're going to take a listen to is the one released in 1971 um, from the first song that we listened to, um, Pepper's Pow, from the album Pepper's Pow Wow. Um, and this features, you know, really giants of the jazz fusion scene. So you have Billy Cobham, Larry uh, Coriel, and the American Indian song, uh, singer-songwriter um, Peter Lafarge. Um, and he's also he was also playing with uh, his jazz fusion band the free spirits um who are kind of credited as one of the first to combine elements of jazz and with rock um he plays the t um the tenor saxophone primarily but also plays the flute and the soprano saxophone um yeah i mean he's really kind of a, a big kind of a big deal in, in the, the combining of these these rhythms. Um, but he also has a lot of influence from, you know, ballads to African, Caribbean, and, and South American rhythms. Um, and so this song, Wichi Tao To, um, is um, kind of, um, it, it is sort of like this, like, almanac almost of of Native American and language. I mean, that's how it's kind of been described. And it's really, I mean, it, it's sort of like all of the things combined and it's, it's super long. It's an eight minute song. I don't think we're going to have time to play the whole thing, but I really do implore you to, to listen to the whole thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to play the first like three minutes uninterrupted. And then I'm, I'm going to try and skip around, but I really do implore you to, to listen to the whole thing. And this is probably, you know, I mean, this is, Native American and jazz music fused at its at its like finest. This is really the uh, really what started it all. Um, so this is Witchy Witchy Tie Toe. Here it is. Witchy Tie Toe, give me one. Oh, honey, don't 
So I I played the vast majority uh, of that tune, which I maybe I shouldn't have, but it's just I, all of that was one song. That was one song. There was so much happening, so much going on, crazy, crazy, crazy solos by um, by Jim Pepper. Um, but then it also goes back to you know these Native American melodies and and these tunes and and so you hear the Native American chorus um, singing at the beginning and at the end um, and there's really just so much there's so much going on there um, and uh, I really God I wish I I wish I had infinite time because there's there's a there's actually four more songs that I want to play for you guys by uh, by this guy, but I know I can't do that because I still have other things. Because uh, I, at the end of every show, I want to take a take a look at the you know what modern music looks like um, that stems from this. Um, so, all right, so I'm gonna play one little bit of um, the uh, other song, one of the other songs on this album. I'm gonna play two of them back to back. The, the two songs that are back to back on the album. Um, so this is uh, Yon Aho, uh, followed quickly by the Slow War Dance. Um, and here you have, you hear like these, like the chants, uh, the call and the response, these like repetition and ritualism. Um, Pepper is also playing, as he played on, on Witchy, Witchy Tai Toe, um, he's also playing the flute. Um, which is like a very reedy, windy, uh, like instrument, um, and it kind of has like a, the 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 wind, like Native American feel and and timber, um, and it's there's also like very much so the the tribal drumming, um, and so you know, I I really slow war dance is one of one of my favorite songs on the album um because it's oh god there's so many good ones there's also Sanaka's, um seneca's um and that's the, a bunch of these songs are talking about like land disputes and very very topical at the time and still topical um but i, I don't i sadly don't have time so i'm, I'm gonna skip around on yanaho to quickly follow by uh, Jim Pepper's Slow War Dance. And I really do um, encourage you guys to um, listen to the the full album, Jim Pepper's full album, which is um, Pepper's Pow Wow. It's just super great stuff. It's really great stuff. So, um, all right, here it is. This is uh, Yana Ho. I'm, it's a five-minute song. I'm probably going to only play like a minute or two of it. I'm going to play the first minute, maybe the last minute.
mean, really, really crazy stuff, uh, like combination of Native American choral music with, you know, rock, and there's an electric guitar solo in the middle. I mean, it's so funky, so groovy, and it's and it's so much fun. And and so that track, I don't want to talk too much to, to break the flow, but that track leads into this song, Slow War Dance, and it's super quick, so I'm just going to play it all. Here it is. So there it is. That's the that's the tune. Um, and that's I have so much more Jim Pepper stuff. Uh, I'm gonna just tell you guys the the other songs that I wanted to, to play for you guys. Um, I wanted to, to play for you guys "Coming and Going" um, by Jim Pepper and all, another song from the album called um, "Nami Nami." Um, and it's it's the seventh track of the album. I'm pretty sure the penultimate. I'm pretty sure there's only eight songs um but it's really i mean it's really great stuff um but it's crazy that you know like it's just super cool not crazy but it's just super interesting that those two songs are put back to back from each other and you know jim pepper is super really really talented musician and so yeah listen to the whole album um pepper's powwow great stuff uh and so one of the pianists or the pianist on that album um don Pullen is also um from the cherokee nation uh and william pepper um who is um also a choctaw um choctaw um plays the bass on that tune and so they um most specifically don Pullen also has some really really interesting stuff um later so this is uh i want to play for you guys this track from a, a 95 um collaboration between um don Pullen and the kunai um chief cliff singers um from the so uh this is from the album um sacred common ground um and this is the song the eagle staff is first and it's a very bluesy jazzy feel i mean there's this like very much repeated instrumental like kind of riff all throughout it and then the um the vocals are really beautiful and so um this is the eagle staff is first on pulling and this is kind of this is um you know mid 90s but this is really what the state of um you know native american music is sort of now and then i'm going to play for for you guys one last tune of something very contemporary but um i feel so sad that i have to rush through this um but yeah so here it is this is don pullen the eagle staff is first
So that that kind of that tune's a little tricky because I mean, for the first almost minute and a half, it's just the um, Chief Cliff singers on on vocals, and then you get you know Don Pullen on the piano who comes in, and then. Uh, Um, and so Nora, Nora and I are besties. We went to Billy's house in Ashtabula together, knitting together. I've been knitting. Nora's been knitting. Nora just finished a piece of fingerless gloves, and now she's starting this scarf with this really soft yarn. Um, it's soft. It's really soft. And then, oh, wait. There we go. Okay. Um, and, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just got distracted. That's the problem, recurring theme on the show. Um, but Nora's the reason that um, I'm able to, to record this and upload this onto Spotify, Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, and if you are curious um, to listen to more of the show, um, you can find me, look up Jazz of the World, Nicholas Clore, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts. Uh, and I'm going to close this last tune out with um, the... Um, Anderson, Anderson and the DDAT, um, which uh, the Delbert Anderson Trio, um, and they're a really interesting group. They're combining jazz, funk, and hip hop, and Native American music, um, okay. and it's they're like doing like these like almost like jazz funk covers of original traditional Navajo music um, and it's really really interesting stuff and so um, this is the last song I'm going to play for you guys today um, and this is from their um, tiny desk um, they they submitted a, a tiny desk thing um, back in 2016 and so this recording is is directly taken from their tiny desk um, contest submission um, this is the Delbert Anderson Trio feat Def I. Uh, the song is called Roadrunner, um, and it was 
kind of composed representing the the stride of the New Mexican New Mexico state bird, uh, and how there's like these run on sentences in the beginning of the melodies, give like this like repeating effect, and and how it's like. They, they compared it to like, it's the story of them running around and touring on the road, but it's also them. Um, and this whole song is based in a minor pentatonic um, scale and it's a minor pentatonic melody, um, which really, you know, very much similar to the, um, a lot of the other traditional Navajo and Native American music. Um, so, yeah. That's a really fun fact. Um, my mom says, hi, Nora. Thanks for loaning me if I had they thanks for loan, loaning me your laptop and my dad asked if I have a laptop which is really confusing because I do I have a laptop but I can't record I, I can't record right now I'm playing all of the music from my laptop and so I can't record my voice and the music at the same time so I need to use someone else's um, but I'm hoping to figure out a method where I don't have to beg beg you to, to let me use your laptop but we'll see okay last song here it is Delbert Anderson Trio Feed Defy Tiny Desk Contest 2016 Road Runner.
so there it is. Uh, that is the Delbert Anderson Trio. Um, um, and Delbert Anderson is the the trumpet player. I'm 99% sure. Wait, let me just check that. And trumpet players are some of the coolest musicians out there. Oh, easily, easily. Um, yeah, so it's Delbert Anderson on trumpet, Nicholas um, Lucero on drums, and Mike McClure, Mike Mike McCluhan on bass. Um, and yeah, so that that's the show. Um, I I want to thank you all for listening. I want to take one last second to um, thank Alex Murphy, professor of Japanese, coming on last week. Um, to shout out the Spotify and uh, Apple podcast recordings um, of the show last week. Thank Nora one last time, who is sitting here with me for letting me use her laptop to record this show. The recording will be posted probably tomorrow or whenever I can, whenever whenever I finish my essay. Because yeah. I, I had to finish an essay. Um, and I probably maybe should have been working on that while I was doing the show, but... I have some time, so I should be good. Um, thank you all again one more time for listening. This was Jazz of the World, hosted by Nicholas Clore on WKCO 91.9, broadcasting live from Gambria, Ohio. I appreciate you all for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I realized that I needed to set up the overnight bump while I was talking, and I totally forgot to. So, Nora, how was hey your there. day? Yeah, how was your day, um, Nora? I had a wonderful day. I had two servings of pesto pasta for whoa, lunch today whoa. because it was just that good. Was it really? It was just that good. In fact, the whole table got up for a second serving of pesto, of pasta. pesto pasta. Was it really? So I... Pierce is kind of killing it today. Okay. And Pierce giving yesterday was pretty great. Yes. Vegan 